What do you want a daughter? What do you want a daughter? I have not a doll with a daughter. We could switch to progress in a doll. Oh, yeah. We could switch to progress on za. Okay. We could za and have to buy some za. Oh, yeah. Let's switch to progress at a doll and get some za with the money we saw. Yeah. Now we know we're going to da da da. These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. It might just be the most normal thing you da da da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome, it's time for this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Kunal, the thousandth Formula 1 race. You know, honestly, it seemed like the longest race ever. It just didn't end. I know, and can you imagine if Ferrari did not goof up? Like, we would have had actually nothing to speak about. Yeah, but come on, uh, Pierre Gasly scored his first ever fastest lap in Formula 1. And this time, there's points to go with it. So, Kunal, that's something to talk about. Well, not if you're Helmut Marco. I agree. And, well, maybe, you know... Marco's just too excited about Alexander Albon's pit lane to points finish to ignore what Gasly actually did there because let's remember he took one point away from Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel. And on the other talking points from China, I remember that Max Verstappen and Robert Kubica spun on the formation lap. Yeah, Kubica actually said that the formation lap spin was his most exciting moment of the race, poor guy. Yeah, I think, you know, George Russell and Robert Kubica have another uh, sort of battle at their hands. Uh, they're both trying to be cheeky about their time at Williams because everyone knows that the car is slow. Now it's about which driver can be more humorous. Or they've been listening to our podcast, <laughs> Inspiration. <clears throat> well, uh, it's sort of good and funny to see Max Verstappen spin, you know. He spun after the race in Bahrain and then... Before the race in China. Yeah, do you mean he could spin in Baku? Uh, because there's a good chance then that he will find the barriers there. And then blame Marcus Ericsson. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that coming. But what I mean is that Max Verstappen is still spinning. But he's spinning when it doesn't matter whatsoever. And that in itself is progress. Because let's remember, Sebastian Vettel is still spinning when it still matters. So that's how the whole Red Bull prodigies are doing. Right. So guys, in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast, there's so much to talk about. We're going to wonder why the outrage on Ferrari's use of team orders just is always there, right? And of course, why the outrage on the strolls in Formula One? Why McLaren plans for a full-time entry in IndyCar and why that makes sense, actually. And why we need to support Pierre Gasly in his first year at Red Bull Racing instead of calling for his replacement already. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Audioboom, on, on Google Podcasts, on CastBox. Uh, we are pretty much on every audio listening and streaming platform that there is on the internet. But if you come across a platform where you don't find us, just write into us, right? Thank you. <laughs> okay, great. So Kunal, this is hilarious. Can you believe that Lance Troll was actually pressing the radio button instead of the energy button in the race? Yes, and his engineer had to radio to tell him that. And what's worse is that they actually chose to not air this piece of radio message in the race broadcast. It would have been the highlight of the race, I think, <laughs> if they'd done that. Damn it. I wonder if Lawrence Stroll is paying Formula One to control the messaging around 
around his son Lance. And I mean, if they can control such silly radio messages, you know, at least they can't control him spinning. Yeah, you know, honestly, let's take a few moments to talk about Lance Troll. Honestly, I don't think the amount of criticism he gets is justified. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if he gets criticized because other more deserving drivers are missing out while he's just paying his way through Formula One or genuinely for his lack of talent. And I know that, you know, each time we talk about Lance having a stroll on the track is for fun. But uh, honestly, guys, let's take a step back and ask ourselves a very important question. Now, if our parents had the money to afford a Formula One race team and a racing seat, would we actually say no to this option and give all of us an honest answer while you ask yourself this question? Because... You know, I see it as how family businesses grow. And for the strolls, for the moment, Formula One is family business. Here's a rich father who's invested in Formula One to help build something for his son. At the moment, it's for his son to be a racer. And, you know, who knows, in the near future, it could be a team owner. Yeah, Kunal, that's a very interesting and different viewpoint. And just to take it a little further, we we see this in regular businesses too, you know, uh, that richer companies are able to buy through their competitive advantage. And that's just what the strolls did from Williams to Racing Point. Yes, that's the marketing student Mithila Mehta talking. Yes. Yeah, and they're able to stay invested in loss-making businesses longer with the hope, of course, that the future brings profits, maybe. And that seems true for uh, Lance Stroll's career too at the moment. That said, Sergio Perez's opening lap was mighty and it was good to see him finish P8. Yeah, it was fantastic. And four teams are tied for points in the Constructors' Championship. So close. So, Renault and Alfa Romeo have 12 points each. And then Haas and McLaren with 8 points each. Alfa Romeo, Kimi Raikkonen seemed so racy in China. And by racy, I mean the motorsport way, guys. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, I think they'd get it wrong if I was saying it. You're safe, Kunal. <laughs> but anyway, Kimi Raikkonen used the hairpins at the uh, Shanghai International Circuit to good effect. Yes, but there are more stories on Kimi Raikkonen, you know. One of that being that he visited the Sauber factory and sat down to draw the pedal designs that he wanted in his car. And we are, I'm so glad that social media is bringing this different side to the Iceman, to his fans. And I remember in the preseason, he was actually trying to fix his own racing seat. And then, of course, the drunk at the airport video of Kimi that went viral this week. That was hilarious. So many sides of Kimi Raikkonen, you know. (laughs) Kunal actually tried to zoom in on that video and see what Raikkonen was drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I admit it. (laughs) Okay, so what else? I'm going to talk of uh, Daniel Ricciardo, his seventh place finish. And that was strangely mission accomplished for him and Renault. Yeah, I think it was really sad to see Nico Hulkenberg retire. He pitted like seven laps too early and then his strategy just saw him go backwards. I mean, Hulkenberg was jumped by Grosjean in the race. And I wonder if, you know, that in itself is demotivating for a lot of drivers. Like, oh, even Grosjean has jumped me. You know, we had that sort of thing in McLaren and with Alonso a few years ago. Something like, even a Williams has overtaken me. Something to that effect. Yeah, I think drivers would have their own mental comparisons. Like, okay, if I'm overtaken by this guy in this car, it's sort of okay. I mean, it sucks to be overtaken if you're a racer anyway, but sort of okay. But then if I'm overtaken by that guy in that car, then damn, my race is going from bad to worse. (laughs) Well, my race is going like McLaren and Williams. That's what they would probably think to themselves. But after talking about everyone and possibly everything else, it's time to stop avoiding the Ferrari Leclerc Vettel talk. 
First things first, I think they were right in using team orders in China. And I remember all of last season when Ferrari did not use team orders, every single person pounced on them. And this year when they have, everyone is still pouncing on them. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Kunal, like, I think if Ferrari just started winning, no one would have the right to pounce on them anymore. But can you imagine? Ferrari have had to use team orders in three out of the three races this season. And each of the decisions were sort of to favour Vettel. And I think in China, it was more to see if Vettel could catch the Mercedes cars because Leclerc couldn't. But let me put it this way. I'm glad Ferrari tried all they could. Otherwise, the thousandth race of Formula 1 would have been even more boring. Is that even possible? And Kunal, like I read on your blog, yes, I read your blog. See, proof. Thank you. It does Thank seem you. like, <laughs> it, it really seems like disbelief is driving Ferrari's 2019 F1 campaign. Just a disbelief that they are unable to unlock the potential that they saw in their car during the preseason testing. And the disbelief that Leclerc is actually matching and challenging Vettel with so much ease. And in China, Ferrari were in the disbelief of their lack of pace against Mercedes. And I believe that this disbelief led them to try everything to chase down the Mercedes car. And one of their strategies, of course, was to use team orders. Yeah, and actually in trying to chase down Mercedes, uh, Ferrari let go of an easy P3 and P4 finish. And instead, they finished P3 and P5. And even worse, they pissed off Charles Leclerc and I think many, many Formula 1 fans out there. I really wonder what the Tifosi are going through right now, given their undying love and passion for Ferrari. But it was heartening to see Leclerc question Ferrari's tactics, you know, during and after the race. And it was good to see him not get cowed down and accept team orders, which we all know can be humiliating because... You know, it's sort of showing him uh, his place in the team publicly. Yeah, but onto more fun stuff. So Leclerc sported a mustache in the early days of the weekend in China. Kunal, is this his subtle way of signaling that he too is a title contender in 2019? <laughs> or, you know, trying to equalize the competitive advantage that Vettel has? <laughs> But uh, thanks, Eric, for this interesting observation. And I think beyond a point, everyone remained tuned into the Chinese Grand Prix just to see how much worse could it get for Ferrari and their strategy, which seemed more non-existent than flawed to me. Yeah, but, you know, aside from all the negative talk, hats off to Sebastian Vettel for asking his mechanics to help douse the fire on Alexander Albon's brake disc during one of the practice sessions. Vettel is a lovely chap when he wants to be, huh? Well, I wonder if uh, Toro Rosso will receive an invoice from Ferrari for their cooling services. I mean, they no longer have an annual maintenance contract with Ferrari. Remember that, guys. Yeah, that's true. Toro Rosso went from Ferrari to Renault to Honda engines. I think three engines in three seasons. Yeah, yeah. I yes. remember that now. Yes, your history is absolutely correct. <laughs> it's just now time to ask you where China is on the map so we can like cross-reference it to where the Chinese Grand Prix is. No, it's about checking your geography anyway. Yeah, Kunal, I think the question to ask is how many of our fans know where Azerbaijan is on the map? <laughs> but uh, finally, let's talk about Mercedes and Hamilton. So Hamilton had a splendid victory and in fact, it's their first proper victory of the season. Uh, Hamilton nailed it from the start for the first time this year. Great. And like Bota said, Hamilton won the race at the start. And it could be that if Mercedes dominate this season, the better starting Mercedes driver could just win the race by leading at the end of the first lap. 
so Ross Brand said that he doesn't expect Mercedes to dominate this season like they did in the previous seasons. Uh, Kunal, full marks for optimism, but he needs a reality check. Yes, you know, I like it when people keep hope. So thank you so much, Ross Brand. And uh, by lap 10, I remember Lewis Hamilton had a full pit stop advantage over Daniel Ricciardo, who was in seventh place. So some, you know, 20 laps to the end, I also remember... Uh, Hamilton was already wondering about the fastest lap point and that's how settled and bored he was leading the race. No, you know, I'll tell you how bored he was. So on lap 49, he radioed Mercedes to ask if Bottas was under any sort of pressure, you know, casually just checking in on his teammate. Or on his wingman, however (laughs) we call it. But anyway, we are a Bottas fan. We are not going to joke about the wingman till he actually ends up turning one. But... uh, Three back-to-back, one-two finishes for Mercedes. Now, that is a commendable effort in itself. And I think Hamilton further tried to psych out Ferrari by wearing a red Mercedes cap in China. Yeah, Kunal, I heard of all these local reporters trying to play up the importance of the colour red in Chinese culture. Honestly, such random things that Formula One throws up. And such random things that we talk about on the Inside Line F1 podcast. But as for Valtteri Bottas, it was... Good to see him beat Lewis Hamilton to pole position. And I'm going to share what Nico Nico Rosberg said about Botas. So Rosberg said that Botas doesn't need to win to get a contract renewal at Mercedes. He said that team harmony could mean more to Mercedes than having a driver who consistently challenged Lewis Hamilton. And who, who better than him to actually know exactly. that? Exactly. He knows it firsthand. And, you know, also in which case Mercedes could decide to bring on Esteban Ocon more so as a succession plan to Hamilton. I think it will definitely depend on whether Hamilton wins the title again this year. Right, guys. So, as you know, we report on Formula E as well. And in Formula E this season, seven races, seven different pole position drivers or seven different drivers on pole position, seven Different race winners from seven different teams. Now, that is the awesome statistic that the All-Electric Series is basing itself on. Whereas in Formula 1, thanks to the virtual stat man, we know that there have been seven different drivers only in the last 116 Formula 1 races. That's already 10% more races than what we've had till date. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, Kunal, you know, these statistics just hurt. Especially when Formula E and MotoGP are able to deliver such awesome results time and time again. And guys, did you all watch the Rome E-Prix? Because the Formula E cars were actually flying on track. And that was such awesome footage. And that also means that the Generation 2 car is bloody quick. Yeah, and you know, since we're on Formula E, uh, Formula 1 has said that they're eager for a second race in China. And they'd like it to be a street circuit. Kunal, do you see the trend? I think Formula One is secretly preferring street circuits because they realize how much more fun and just unpredictable it can be. Like, uh, look at the Vietnam Grand Prix that will join the calendar next year. That's a street circuit too. And there's Zandvoort, the venue for the Dutch Grand Prix. Now, there's worry that it may be too narrow to overtake. But I'll tell you what, the Dutch organizers, you know, will do whatever it takes to ensure that the track eventually delivers a Verstappen masterclass in overtaking. And that will be awesome fun for the local fans as well as for all his international fans. Okay, guys. So on to the closing notes for this week's podcast. Um, so, Knal, we've actually not spoken much about Verstappen, Gasly and Red Bull Racing. Damn it. Yes, I think I'm going to start with the Q3 issue that we saw 
that had Max Verstappen go all mad and crazy. And frankly, I would choose to do what Vettel did. Now imagine if Vettel would have missed on a qualifying attempt. Ferrari would have been massacred alive in China. Yeah, and I wonder if Red Bull Racing and Haas were sleeping. I mean, they should have just radioed their drivers to go faster. Which makes me wonder if Lewis Hamilton actually had a slowed down lap as well. And drivers were too focused on maintaining a gap whether rather than wondering if they're going to cross the checkered line in time to start a qualifying lap. But talking about Pierre Gasly, I heard uh, Helmut Marco on the driver's parade bus. He said that Red Bull Racing had a plan if Gasly jumped Max Verstappen at the start. Now, guys, before you go criticizing Gasly and ask how soon before Kivat or even Albon would replace him, please think again. You know, it's like uh, you needing to eat at that uncle's house who you don't like much or worse, the uncle doesn't like you at all. But that's the only choice you have to eating. You know, it's either you go eat there or you remain hungry. And that's possibly the situation Pierre Gasly is in at Red Bull. My God, that's a very funny analogy. Maybe I'm just hungry, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or I hope no uncle is listening to this podcast and wondering if it's him. Anyway, Gasly said after China that he's taking a step forward in every race and that he wishes it was three steps forward in every weekend instead of one, you know. He's under so much pressure. Yes. Christian Honor said that Red Bull Racing are done predicting how many wins they'll score in 2019. I remember Helmut Marko saying that they had, he had predicted five wins for Red Bull with Honda Power, but they're no longer predicting what 2019 could be for them. Good decision. Well, that said, Honda is bringing an evolutionary engine to Baku, rumored to have like 20 horsepower more, and Red Bull Racing is bringing a large aero upgrade to Spain. So maybe they'll just stop predicting a win and go ahead and win. Who knows? Yeah, and by the way, on to McLaren. So that penalty on Kivat, yeah, that was a bit too harsh. I would agree, you know. Uh, but Zach Brown said that McLaren could look at a full-time IndyCar option in 2020 or 2021. And this could depend on the result this year. I think McLaren is going the Fernando Alonso way. They realize that they might not get back to winning ways in Formula 1 anytime soon. And this could be more to do with the rules and regulations and the political scenario than their setup and their capabilities, you know. And they would have probably also realized that they have an awesome car racing company brand at their disposal. So why not go about exploiting it and racing in other series? And I think this could be a smart move. You know, it would lead to more exposure for their brand, more chances of winning, importantly, and also more sponsorship and revenue opportunities. Yeah, but 2019 is going to be a pendulum of fortunes, I think, between Ferrari and Mercedes and between the midfield teams. And we actually don't know the pecking order in Formula 1 and Formula 1.5 just yet. And while we wait to figure out what the pecking order could be in the next few races, I'm sure everyone's eyes will be in the driver cooldown room and the tweets it displays. You know, even after the Snorfest in China, there were only positive and happy tweets on display and on further investigation. WTF1 found out that the person tweeting the good tweets was actually a Formula 1 employee. And what's worse is that he sent out his tweets way before the race even started. So there is some sort of fixing that's going on in Formula 1. Yeah, but Kunal, it sounds about right. The only way you could have gotten me to say good things about the Chinese Grand Prix was if you'd paid me. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, one more piece of interesting uh, journalism. So we had Krishnan Ayer write to us saying that in the Moments in Time section for China, 
Lucine actually missed mentioning the 2005 Chinese Grand Prix where uh, Narain Kartikeyan's Jordan caught fire after a heavy crash. Very interesting. Yes, thank you very much. And what Mithila meant was Krishnan Ayer. I know our pronunciations can be a little Scottish, but on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Here's wishing you guys a happy Easter, and we will see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Progressive presents the sounds of the old world. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been the sounds of the old world. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.